So fifth week of Lent, we are, if you will, mid-story in our Lenten journey. It's still Lent. Two more weeks. Still, if you will, in this wilderness journey that we started in the wilderness with Jesus on the first Sunday of Lent. Jesus being led by the Spirit, being tempted uh, in the wilderness. And in two weeks, it'll be Easter, and we'll still be in the wilderness. I mean, thanks be to God, and that'll be encouraging and glorious, and we should praise the Lord and hallelujah our hearts out. Um, but from another perspective, we'll still be in the wilderness. We, are, we will still be mid-story. We won't be at the end of our story. Um, some of us want to live at the end of our story. Uh, another way to say it is the war's not over. Um, many of us are working through this book, Prayer in the Night, uh, by Tish Warren, which is a, a study of an ancient collect, an ancient nighttime prayer. And... Um, we had our fourth week in it this past week, and I honestly, I'm, I, I, I honestly was feeling tired of it. Um, she's been in this section that she calls in uh, section three, she calls it a taxonomy, which you can tell me what taxonomy means. I, I, I know what it means, but I'm not going to try to explain it. A taxonomy of vulnerability. That is like, right, taxonomy, I think, is just identifying the species, something like that. And in this prayer, uh, which begins, keep watch, dear Lord, with those who work or watch or weep this night, and give your angels charge over those who sleep. And then the last two weeks, we've, uh, we've been in all these vulnerabilities, sleeping, sickness, weariness, dying, suffering, affliction, and I was weary this week doing it. I mean, it was feeling heavy. And what's interesting that she helps us with and points out in this ancient prayer, we never ask God to take away any of these things. We ask God to be near to soothe the suffering, to pity that the afflicted would know his empathy, that the dying would know the blessing of God in their dying. Anyway, this is a mid-story prayer and a mid-story book. Let's talk about wilderness. You know, as a very common sort of theme in the scriptures, this idea of wilderness, both metaphorical and literal, right, in the scriptures. Um, and I'm going there really because we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna look at I, the Isaiah passage, which which talks about wilderness, but. 
wilderness, well, it's uninhabited, except by wild animals. Um, in the wilderness, travel is difficult. There's no Hampton Inns, no Chipotles or Grub Burgers. Um, it's not a lush, cultivated garden or a sophisticated, flourishing, populated city. It's a dangerous place. It's a, it's a, pl it's a place, well, that said, I want to note something that I think is important. Wilderness is not necessarily a place of punishment or even of discipline. When Isaiah, in this one place, this is just like six verses in this arguably the most beautiful part of the whole Hebrew scriptures, this section of Isaiah, from Isaiah 40 to the end. It's, it's just so gorgeous and beautiful. Um, and, well, let, let's, let's read it now. We'll just help, help me... Um, Connect here. Keep praying for the boy, please. <laughs> Thus says the Lord, the way to the sea, path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. Um, behold, I'm doing a new thing. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So, you know, initially, what, what, like the most glaring reference there is what? For those that, you know, kind of know the ancient story, it's God taking people out of slavery in Egypt. And when they were trapped at the sea and the soldiers and the evil em emperor was coming to kill them, God opened a way in the sea and they were saved. Um, and the wilderness was not a punishment. The wilderness was just where they had to be to get to where God was taking them. Now, it became kind of that way because of their, well, we'll talk about it a little bit in a second. Um, but it, it just was where they had to travel to get to where they were going, which didn't make it any less scary, barren, um, and, and all of that. So I think that's important to note. If you find yourself in a place of, and I mean, I, I don't want to say you all are. I mean, I personally think we all are in one way or another, but maybe, you know, maybe 80% of us here are experiencing some kind of wilderness, some kind of suffering, some kind of pain. Um, The first question to ask is not like, what did I do wrong, necessarily? It might just be the journey God has you on in this fallen, broken world. The wilderness is also, in this context, who God's talking to are exiles in Babylon. And the only way to get back to God's city is, how, is through the wilderness. So the wilderness. There's probably another reference here, or there's 
possibly another reference here to actually creation and the fall, when it talks about God um, basically having power over the, the waters, the chaotic, dangerous waters. That's the first couple of verses of our whole Bible. And then this idea of wilderness is like that's the end of the fall story, that they were expelled from the garden to a place of thorns and barrenness and hardship and sweat and tears. The wilderness is a place of aloneness. It's a place of separation, of barrenness. It's the opposite of blessing and flourishing. Most literally, or etymologically, um, the Hebrew for this word wilderness or desert is the word midbar. And that's, that's for, Hebrew is a consonantal language. There was no vowels when the scriptures were written. They were put in much later. And so it's, it's the consonants, M-D-B-R. And the root of that, sorry, just give me one second, it's going somewhere, is D-B-R, Debar, which means in Hebrew, thing or word. And the M is the idea of from, the M as a prefix, midbar. Someone's nodding. Someone who knows her Hebrew, her Hebrew. Um, and so the idea is it's the place away from things or away from words. Think about that. It's a place where we are trying to find words to describe where we are, and we can't find them. It's a place where we're trying to hear a word from God, and we may not be hearing it. You know, literally, in my little bit of study over this past year, I mean, literally, when we go through significant suffering, we, we literally find it hard to talk. That's what happens in our brains and in our physical beings. It's a place where we need a word. We need a word to say. We need a word to hear and orient us. Um, the, big, the big point, my big point, I'm running out of time once again, um, is that God doesn't meet you somewhere else. He meets you where you are in the wilderness. And it's very human to not be able to handle that. And to try to figure out what's wrong Or because it's painful just to deny and kind of gut through it. The, um, that idea of mid-story that I started with actually comes from a young woman named K.J. Ramsey. And I've mentioned her once before. Um, and I read her book several years ago. She wrote a book called This Too Shall Last. 
This too shall last. Subtitle, Finding Grace When Suffering Lingers. She, in college, uh, developed this really brutal autoimmune disease. Um, and that's part of what the story's about. And she's writing the story in the midst of that, not, not when she had victory at the end of that, because she hasn't found what we might call that. Um, and she, um, where is that? Where, where is it? Where is that? Um, she suggests that all pain invites us to pay attention. Um, whether it's physical pain or, um, emotional pain or, you know, fill in the blank, um, calls us to pay att attention and be present where we are, not somewhere else. And so note what, note what God says through Isaiah here. Um, and this is, this is, this is kind of like the most important um, where the, the rubber hits the road part. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old, which is ironic because God just reminded them of the former things. So figure out that. He's not, he's not literally saying, like, have total amnesia, you know, but there is something significant going on there. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old, Behold, see this, pay attention, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I am doing a new thing, now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Are you paying attention? Or is God out there when you, up there when you get through the wilderness? God is saying, I'm with you working life in the midst of whatever you are going through. Pay attention. There's life springing up in the midst of the fill in the blank in the midst of the compost, in the midst of the hurting. There's a sprout there. Pay attention. God will soothe the suffering, tend the sick, pity the afflicted, bless the dying, soothe the suffering. Did I already say that one? Yeah. It's worth repeating. Do you... Perceive it? Or do you deny the hurt? Do you deny the pain and seek to move past it? Or, and here's where I think some of the remember thing uh, applies, because um, uh, obviously God commands them to remember in other places. You mean, it's in the Ten Commandments. Remember that you were slaves. So keep the Sabbath holy. I mean, He's not saying don't remember, but 
in the way that we might think. I think he's saying, don't get fixated on how I've done things before. Because if you do, you will miss the new thing I'm doing. And I think he's also saying, get out of your head. Get out of trying to figure it out by putting all the pieces together, remembering exactly how it's going to happen. And being aware, paying attention to what's going on in me and around me. Do you not perceive it? Um, Kathleen Norris, who's written a, a number of really good books, writes, for grace to be grace, for grace to be grace, it must give us things we didn't know we needed and take us to places where we didn't want to go. As we stumble through the crazy of our lives, we find that God is enjoying our attention as never before. I have a lot more to say, um, just a couple of things. So I'm not, I'm not going to say all the lot more that I have to say. Um, except to say, do you dare to try to, to look for God in the hurt, around the hurt? And not like the hurt is a problem to get over or get through. God is here now. God is not somewhere else for you. I think, I think when God says, I will make a way in the wilderness, part of what God is saying like, we want to hear that as, he's going to provide me a way of escape. I think part, and I, that, that's part of it. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to lead you to where I'm taking you, which is fullness of life and joy. Yes, absolutely. Thanks be to God. But I think it also, what if it also means God is saying, nothing will keep me from getting to you wherever you find yourself. I will make a way. You will never be alone in whatever it is that you go through. And I can say that confidently because I know Jesus. And that is what Jesus did for us. Yesterday we ended, uh, in the morning prayer, we ended Exodus. And the last chapter of Exodus is like, they made a tabernacle. Why? So God, they would know God was with them. Where? In the wilderness. And God's glory comes down, and it's awesome. You know, much, much later in the story, John writes, and the Word, the Word, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and tabernacled among us. That's what it says. When it says pitched his tent, the image is, Jesus is the tabernacle 
in the wilderness. Do you perceive it? Do you dare look for God in the very place you are desperate to get out of? Praise our Lord Jesus. Amen.